Internet. I'm your husband host, Travis McElroy. And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. And you're listening to Schmanners. It's extraordinary etiquette. For ordinary occasions, hello, my dove. Hello, dear. How was your birthday? It was great. Good. It was uh, good. I'm doing my birthday in three parts. Mm-hmm. The celebrations do continue. Yeah, act one mm-hmm. um, was Brent, uh, my friend Brent, and his girlfriend Laura came in town, and we did stuff, including going to, if you're in Cincinnati, there's like a German Christmas market. It was adorable and wonderful and great. It was. It was really fun. Um, I did get stung by a wasp. Yeah, but, but I don't think that's standard fare. No, for I the, don't think so. Yeah. Um, and so they came in town. And then Wednesday was my actual birthday. With your family. With my family. The girls got me such cute cards. They did. And BB bought it with her own money and bought me uh, soap with her own money, which is very <laughs> cute and lovely. And I got you a cheesecake. And Teresa got me a cheesecake. We ordered some yummy tacos. And that was great. Uh, and then this weekend is the big blowout. Mm-hmm. Um, lordy, lordy, Travis is 40. I am 40. I'm a young 40. <laughs> um, a gentleman's 40. Indeed. Uh, a respectable uh, lord's 40. Um, <laughs> but that's not what we're talking about today. We're talking about farmer's markets. Where do you buy farmers? How do you source them? <laughs> Can you squeeze the farmer at the market, or do you have to wait till you get it home to find out if it's fresh? All these questions and more. No, you don't buy farmers at markets. You buy food. Well, mostly food. Mostly food. You could get, I mean, hypothetically, I guess honey counts. But more and more these days, I see, like, uh, things made from, like, like handmade soap. You might get at a yeah, farmer's market. you could do that. You might get crafts at a farmer's market. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they're selling, like... I don't know, hot chocolate, right? Yeah, sure. Tea. Also, woodworkers often sure. are, ava- are around at farmer's markets. Kind of an artisan's market, indeed. if you will. Indeed, indeed. Um, now, I have to assume this is one of those things where farmer's markets have been around forever. Indeed. Because you like when you take things to market, right, mm-hmm. that used to be like, cool, we got everything, we're going to go set up a little stand on the street and you come buy your stuff from me, right? Yeah. And we sell until we sell out or until it's time to go, you know, load back up the cart and go back to the farm. Indeed. So before there were specialty stores, this is what was done, right? Yeah. Uh, nowadays, um, farmers get bum, sell. Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> Had to get it out of the way. Sell to a, uh, a grocer, Right, or a specialty shop, and then or, the shop I mean, sells it. It, it. it could be sells to a big conglomerate. Right, you know they own a supermarket. Everything. But I mean, like or, this this farm grows food that then sends it to like Dole or whatever, right? And then Dole distributes. Okay. I don't know how a that distributor. Works. Yeah, sure. But you are correct. Before that, there were. Farmers markets. Um, and, you know, all shapes and sizes could be booths or tables or stands or carts or um, wagons. Wagons, indeed. Could be uh, wheelbarrows. Yep. Could be sacks. Could be airdropped. Could be <laughs> delivered by pigeon. Could be 
you wake up, what? It's just there in your boots? How did they, how did they do it? They did it all in one night. The magic <laughs> is real. But communities all over the world have their own specific take on farmers' markets, depending upon where you are. And they're a great reflection of the community's local culture and economy. Some are big, some are small. Uh, some are permanent structure. Like mm-hmm. we have here in Cincinnati, there's Finley Market, right. which is permanent structure. And Finley Market is interesting, too, because it's kind of a, first of all, it's indoor-outdoor market. Mm-hmm. And there is permanent, like, stalls, right, where it's just, like, this is, like, uh, this stall always sells uh, spices, right? This stall always is, like, a butcher. And then there is another part that's, like, kind of a uh, covered space outside that is, like, sometimes a full-blown farmer's market brought produce from the thing. Mm -hmm. You buy, you know, your thing of strawberries and ugly celery because it doesn't have to be pretty to taste good folks that's right uh, although but- celery usually looks about the same it's a <laughs> standard i don't know why i went with celery i don't know either uh some are permanent structures some could just be like tents in a parking lot there's right. one here around here that every monday they set up tents in the parking lot of a local church and farmers come there and you can buy stuff there you see roadside ones a lot especially if it's like at the end of a long kind of drive that leads to the farm, mm-hmm. right? They'll just set up like a stand. You might see it off the side of the road on like a highway of like, stop here for fresh beaches. Um, so some of the first records of these community spaces come from ancient Egypt, where people would sell yeah, their produce to travelers like do it, yeah. passing along the Nile, right? And because of these accounts, historians believe that the farmer's market is probably around 5,000 years old, which is uh, twice the age of the Colosseum. And it's a, well, let's see, um, so I'm 40, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. it would be a hundred, over a hundred times my age. Over, yes. Um, but it also, man, can I say, I bet that those were not only a great time to do commerce, one, great time to share information. Oh, yeah. Right, because it might be like the only time you're seeing these other farmers. But I bet the bartering scene was out of this world. If it was like, I grow rice, right? It's like, oh, sick, man. I need some rice because I do, I don't know, probably not tomatoes in Egypt, but like livestock of some kind. I bet they were swapping left and right. Absolutely. Um, the farmer's market has roots in the ancient world, but the practice didn't come to the U.S. until the 1600s when Europeans began to colonize the Americas. I should also say 5,000 Years ago? Was that it? 5,000 years ago? Over 5,000 years But you ago. know, that's just the records. You of know course. the idea of like, I'm willing to bet that there was like markets in like ancient China and stuff way before that. And markets back in like ancient. Well, that's just one of the first recordings. Yeah, that's right? what I'm saying. Yeah. It's like, this is just what we're hearing about. Because this has got to be one of those things of like, it does not take a revolutionary inventor to be like, all right, well, there's one place that everybody goes to to buy this stuff. Instead of visiting every farm individually, mm-hmm. it just makes sense. Um, so there is a curator of uh, artic- sorry, a curator of agriculture for Henry Ford, uh, Deborah Reed, um, said that the market building in historical Detroit really rocked on Saturday nights. That was the big day. Everybody brought their paychecks. I like saying it rocked, man. Oh, it was wild. And markets like this have been around as long as there have been cities because if they're 
in if you're in a city, right, where there is a dense population, mm-hmm. um, how do you get your food if you don't have time to grow it? Yep. So the cities often financed markets and maintained the structures so that farmers could come there to sell. Yeah. Um, at this Detroit Central Market, there's as many as 90 different stalls for available for rent at the weekly market. Um, and so, like, this is one of the places where there's a lot of, like, um, historical kind of, like, writings detailing the competition that comes with yes. vendors at a market, you know, yelling to each other, outdressing each other, out advertising each other. This is where we get that stereotype of people in period movies kind of like yelling about, get your hot dogs here. Sure. Hey, right? baby, that was really good. You're welcome. And let me say, as as you're describing it, as I'm thinking about it, a farmer's market and a market like this seems like a better expression of capitalism than what we have now. Right, because yeah, if you're the supermarket about, is kind of like a um, a conglomerate and complete lack of competition. Yeah. Right, you might say like, "Oh, this bread's next to this bread," or whatever, so they're competing. But if you think about a farmer's market, right, if you were bringing subpar, subquality produce, sub subquality whatever, if you didn't show up, you know, if you came late or left early, mm-hmm. right, like you weren't getting the business done. You were building. Out of these farm markets, you're building relationships with the community and you're establishing yourself as like, I can be trusted. My produce is the best. There's a reason it costs this much. And you're like putting a face to it of saying, like, Absolutely. if I charge this much for a thing, it's because I grew it and you can trust me. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the social scene was also accomplished at these markets. Um, it went. When you went there, not only to get your food, you were showing people how much money you had right. by the way you bought and the way you dressed and how many attendants you might have had with you to to carry all of your food stuffs. You know, that kind of stuff and is, is these, important in a society. I bet they were big, uh, like, hot spots for, like, if you were campaigning for something, mm. if you wanted to get something done, it's like, where do I know everyone's going to be? Right. And like, oh, I'm going to be there. Right. Can I put this sign up? Can I do this thing? Because everyone's going to the farmer's market. You have to. Uh, Here is a person uh, writing from visiting Cincinnati in 1828. uh, Francis Trollop. Trollop. Sure. Maybe. Uh, An unfortunate (laughs) last name, if so. Who was an English novelist, wrote... There are no butchers or indeed any shops for eatables except bakeries, as they are called, in town. Everything must be purchased at market. And to accomplish this, the busy housewife must be stirring betimes. Or, in spite of the abundant supply, she will find her hopes of breakfast, dinner, and supper for the day defeated. The market being pretty well over by 8 o'clock. Oh, a.m. I see. Yeah. 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 Well, another thing about Cincinnati. Uh, maybe the longer lasting nickname for Cincinnati is the Queen City, as given to it by Mark Twain, who said, like, uh, if there's ever, it sounded like if there's ever an apocalypse, if there's ever a world ending event, I'm paraphrasing, I want to be in Cincinnati when it happens because everything here happens two weeks later or something like <laughs> that. But he referred to Cincinnati as the Queen City in comparison to like New York. As the king. Yeah. But of course, the other nickname, lesser now, Porkopolis. Indeed, the pork trade. Because it used to be huge. Like, you used to wake up in Cincinnati around this time that you're talking about, 1820s, and just see, like, people just driving, you know, herds of pigs, flocks of pigs. 
Mm. Uh, blessings of pigs down <laughs> the street to the you know to the um, chop house, right? Because like they would breed them and keep them outside the city, and then bring them in to have them turned into sausage. Um, here's some description of a New Orleans market by British naval officer Basil Hall. Uh, he said. On the river, abreast of these markets, which were built at the bottom of the slope of the levee, there were ranged numberless boats that had arrived during the night from various plantations, both above and below the city. He goes on to list all the different types of foods available and goes like to describe a delicious gumbo. Um, and he talks a lot about not only just the innumerable different types of produce, but also the different people eating and chatting and, and going through and like really describing it as the social occasion. I can't believe we've been this far and like maybe haven't mentioned America's like most famous like farmer's market market thing is the the Pike Street Market in Seattle, right? Oh, the- I mean, I, w- I was going to talk about a farmer's market uh, in San Francisco a little later. But I I think, yes, Pike Street Market probably is, or maybe it has its roots in kind of like the farmer's market. But it seems a little established. Like Pike I th- Place Market. Sorry, Pike, Pike Place. Place Market. Yes. I, I, I feel like... It is definitely established now. But I mean, it is a market. Like people did set it, up the stuff and Maybe fish. did it start out? as kind of a weekly thing. I feel like it's more of like a shopping center. Now, but I mean, I also guarantee rather than farmer's market, that's a fish market. Yes, Because like you would catch a fish and want to sell them right away, especially pre-refrigeration, is you're putting them on ice and be like, you need to take this home now. I also looked it up because I couldn't remember exactly where it is, but some of the coolest, I think, in Bangkok, those uh, like floating kind of markets mm. where it's just like the boats just come up next to you and they're like, what do you need? I just think that's great. That sounds very much like what I described at the beginning with the yeah, Nile. Very much so. You yeah. pull up, park, and you walk up and down the docks like, yeah, what do you need? Because they didn't have trains, right? I think I'm about to sound way older than I am. Okay. But I think now people take for granted, like if you go to the store, you go to the supermarket here, it's a Kroger, right? And they don't have strawberries. You're like, oh man, what? How are you out of strawberries? And that is such a like, fairly recent modern day issue to have before refrigerated trucks, refri- you know, uh, trains that were able to like transport things quickly. God forbid planes, uh, boats, all these things. It was like, I grew these right now. You need to eat them in like a week. And yeah. thing, like things being in and out of season used to be a far larger concern than it is now. I think that is something that, you know, as, as modern people, we need to try and remember to eat more locally and eat more in mm-hmm. season. And, you know, you were talking about the strawberries, like our last our last group of strawberries that we got here in our house. The kids were like, mm, I too don't dark, too dark. We don't. And I was like, this that's because this is the end. This is the last ones. Yeah. So we are moving out into the 1800s, uh, I the can't late wait. 1800s. Now. Uh, you know, you know how I love the late 1800s. Indeed. But first. How about a thing you know for our sponsor this week? Let me tell you, listeners, gather around. Children, gather around my podium. Yes, that's right, my podium, because I'm here to tell you about Podia. 
Podia, P-O-D-I-A, like podium. Do you get it? I get it. Okay, thank you. I'm going to stop using whatever that weird lecture <laughs> voice is. So Podia is a platform that gives you everything you need to run an online business. Now, this may sound like something you've heard about before, but one of the things I like best about Podia is there's a big focus uh, amongst their tools on if you like want to do a class, right? If there's something you want to teach, if there's information you have that you want to be like, I'm an expert in this thing, or I've learned about this, I could teach a, you know, a yoga class. I could do a class on perhaps cartoons in the 90s in which animals had abs, <laughs> right? If you wanted to do you, that. You could do that. I, well, maybe not me. That was just a general example <laughs> of something someone could do. Right, because Podia has a website builder. They can host and sell online courses or digital downloads, distribute your email marketing, and run your online community. It's a lot of tools all in one place. And it's easy to set up, edit, and design yourself. You don't need expert you know, tech skills, which is great if you're a simple farmer like myself. I'm a podcast farmer. I'm out there in mm-hmm. the fields all day. Grow, have, growing those waves. Growing those waves um, and plucking those MP3s from the trees, biting into <laughs> them and saying, mm, juicy. Um, so it, listen, at this point, there's probably something, you might not realize it, that you're an expert in, right, that you could teach about, or at the very least, something that someone would want to learn about from you. And if that's the case, you should look into Podia. Everything is in one place with one login. You don't have to figure out how to use or connect a bunch of tools. It all just works. And it all just works together, like Teresa and I. Podia also starts at the best price, free. Yeah, that's right. You can start a community, build a full website, make your products, and start your email marketing all for free when you sign up at podia.com slash schmanners. One more time, that's P-O-D-I-A dot com slash schmanners. What is up, people of the world? Do you have an argument that you keep having with your friends and you just can't seem to settle it? And you're sitting there arguing about whether it's Star Trek or Star Wars, or you can't decide what is the best nut, or can't agree on what is the best cheese. Stop doing that. Listen to We Got This with Mark and Hal, only on Max Fun. Your topics asked and answered objectively, definitively, for all time. So don't worry, everybody. We, we got, got this. this. We got this. Hey, Sydney, you're a physician and the co-host of Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine, right? That's true, Justin. Is it true that our medical history podcast is just as good as a visit to your primary care physician? No, Justin, that is absolutely not true. Uh, However, our podcast is funny and interesting and a great way to learn about the medical misdeeds of the past, as well as some current not so legit healthcare fads. So you're saying that by listening to our podcast, people will feel better. Sure. And isn't that the same reason that you go to the doctor? Well, uh, you could say that. And our podcast is free? Yes, it is free. You heard it here first, folks. Sawbones, Meryl Tour of Misguided Medicine, right here on Maximum Fun. Just as good as going to the doctor. No, no, no. Still not just as good as going to the doctor, but but there. pretty good. It's up there. All right. We are in the late 1800s. We are now entering the late 1800s. About 100 years before I was born. <laughs> I, I For the next month, be ready to just balance everything out with how it relates to me and my birthday. Okay. Okay, great. Got it. Um Cities were interested in removing the central market. Now, hear me out. Mm. They wanted to project an air of modernity. Sure. Okay. Um, And that... They wanted maternity? No. 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 (laughs) It seemed that 
cities were overcrowded and one of that the is main true. the main kind of like traffic jams was the downtowns that were clogged with shoppers and vendors and farm wagons and things like that. You don't have to go any further. Let me interrupt. I wasn't really interrupting. But, you know, hey, this might surprise you. I'm going to interrupt you. Um, Hey, everyone, we swung too hard the other way. We did. We took everything out of downtowns. Okay, go on. Yes. Um, And so cities across the U.S. especially started banning farm wagon markets. Um... Now, that doesn't mean that these, like, permanent structures were demolished. That's not what I'm saying. The idea of, like, the farmers that come in and settle along the streets to mm-hmm. sell things, that was something that cities were concerned about because it was clogging It was clogging the way for pedestrians. It was clogging the way for traffic. It just wasn't working because the cities at the time were not built with that in mind. Now, you say that, and I think that that is true. And that might be what's on record. But I'm going to put on a, my very well-built, uh, well-made, stylish tinfoil hat and say it also maybe kind of sounds like there were some, like, politicians and city councils and stuff that were like, we're not really collecting, like, taxes or, like, rent or property tax off of these mm, people. Maybe. Where if they, we had permanent structures or, like, they had to have a storefront or shop or something, then we could like collect money from them. Maybe. Right now, a farmer's just rolling in, making money off of the thing and leaving. That's quite a shrewd thought from you. But I mean, that's it makes sense, right? Yeah. Because if you track a lot of issues with like, I don't know about this, but I have uh, over the last couple of years developed an interest in like shopping malls and how they impacted like downtown businesses and mm-hmm. stuff. And there was a lot of like, it's all about the money. You know, you follow the money with stuff like that where they're like, or the, you know, the people on city council were also the ones like running, you know, their stores and stuff. And they owned the department stores and they're like, I don't want that competition. Get them out of here. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, that was a mistake. Well, that theme does continue throughout the next couple centuries that sure. we'll talk about. Um so the farmers markets kind of got dispersed. These, you know, these pop-up ones got kind of dispersed to the outskirts of town. Um, and so then there wasn't really a big draw to them, right? Well, because the beauty of it was like centralized location. Yeah. Especially when we're talking about when population density was like, not like, oh, I got to wake up, get the kids dressed, load them in the car, drive 25 minutes to this place. It mm-hmm. was like, go out your front door, go three blocks down, grab your food for the day, maybe. Yeah. Maybe for the week if you had room and storage and like do it all again the next day or the next week. Uh, but then World War Two happened. Now, which one was that? No, I know. World War Two. That was the second one. And everyone in the U.S. scrambled to do their part to support the war effort. And people had to start rationing. Restrictions tightened on imported foods, transportation of goods, um, you know, because of the shortage of rubber tires. That was that was difficult to do. There were also agricultural diversions, right, where harvests were sent overseas. Mm-hmm. Um, and so things like butter, and also just sugar. less people to work the land, less people yep. to do stuff. Butter, sugar, meat, coffee, canned goods, and lots of other staples, right? So... At this time, in the 1940s, we weren't really doing farmer's market. You were going to a a general store or even supermarkets were starting to kind of be a thing, like the grocer. But now, 
that there there was not a lot of people like ha- who had backyard gardens mm-hmm. who had even the room to grow their own food now they needed to supplement their uh their stores a lot if you didn't know how to can and you didn't know how to grow food you didn't have a lot of options during yeah. rationing um and people started to try and figure out how they could make this work um john brucato is the founder of san francisco's very first farmer's market and let me tell you about his struggles please do first of all you had to find farmers that's why he went on farmersonly.com but that's a dating site for farmers that's not real i mean it is real but he didn't use that to set up the farmer's market right one of the one of the big industries at that time in california was the cannery Okay, mm-hmm. you were canning vegetables and and fruits in order to ship them across the country. Were they doing fish yet? Were they doing like you know? No, I'm I'm not quite sure exactly what they were canning, but at this point, the canneries uh, were very understaffed sure. due to the war effort, and so farmers were being forced to watch their pears and apples rot in the fields. Because they couldn't get them to the canneries. They couldn't sell them. The canneries couldn't make canned foods. All this kind of stuff, right? Um, And so families started hoarding, like, ration coupons and started trying to make their own victory gardens and scrambling, really, to to feed themselves. And so he decided, why not solve a couple of problems, and organized in the early 1940s the first farmer's market in Sonoma County. Um, he started reaching out to people, hoping for like 60 trucks or whatever of, of produce because it was about 50 miles to the nearest farm outside the city. And he was met with a lot of resistance. There were wholesale merchants in San Francisco and grocers who were like opposed to the idea, saying it was unfair competition, right? Exactly what you were talking about. And so they lobbied the city for inspections and regulations and, you know, all these, this kind of like red tape. The money. Um, yeah, follow that money. And it took almost a year from, you know, the idea inception to the decision that the council would allow a temporary market. And after and six months after the war ends, you have to tear it down, they said, because we want to get back to business as usual. Okay. So a Thursday morning in August 1943, he was ready at the lot that he had uh, had gotten inspected i guess yeah. uh for san francisco's first ever farmer's market um and he worried he worried if people would come but by 6 a.m he counted almost 200 people standing nice. in the lot ready to buy and they just kept coming and more what? people just kept coming and they brought and boxes and shopping today. bags until the eight o'clock so people started lining up at oh, 6 a.m for an eight o'clock start And so he was relieved that there were definitely going to be people here. But the farmers were not. There were supposed to be 60 farmers and none of them had arrived by 8 a.m. Okay, so more just a market. Well, there was no there was nothing to buy. Suddenly, (gasps) you see a farmer called Joe Sanchetti with a truck filled full of California pears. Okay, And he was leading about. Five or six more trucks. All pairs? Well, no, but different oh. different produce. 
Those six farmers sold everything they had in less than two hours. It's not a bad day's work. I mean, yeah. So the next day, they did it again, and more trucks arrived. And the next day, they did it again, and more trucks arrived. And by Saturday, there were 135 trucks and hordes of people eager to buy. Okay. So this worked, right? It was yeah, very it slow like it yeah. going, but it definitely worked. I mean, slow going, six days. I mean, yeah, it wasn't the first day, but like if I open a business and by the sixth day, it's like, and there's thousands and thousands of people there, I'd be like, wow, that was fast. So fast forward to election season, November, mm. and some vendors who opposed the market brought their grievances to the ballot box. Sure, sure. Um, they Heard claimed, it all before. Yeah, they claimed that the market was taking away their business and uh, claiming that, you know, these the city council, these bureaucrats are trying to run us out of town. But that's anti, okay, that's anti-capitalism. It is. If you're saying, oh, this competition is bad for me, it's like, whoa, man, hold on. Maybe you're charging too much. Maybe your selection is bad. Maybe you're like, I'm, it's weird to, suddenly realized in this very second that I'm like defending capitalism, but weird to hear people whining about it to a council, to like a government agency of like, hey, I don't want competition. Yeah. Gross. So it continued success, right? Um, Even with all of the complaints, uh, farmers markets are are across the country and they actually got another boon in the 1990s due to the slow food movement mm. um, where the 70s brought a lot of like overprocessed, um, really shelf stable, but not a lot of like recognizable as whole foods yeah. to the American table. Um, and then in the 1990s, we were much more interested in whole foods and direct sourcing Being and mindful, and mindful yeah. consumption. Not not just for our pocketbooks, but also for our bodies, right? All if right. anything, I would also say farmers markets are a wonderful balance to that because, at least in my experience, able to get more for less, right? So sure. if you're like looking for, um, like, well, I want more like fresh vegetable, I want more fresh fruit, want to put these things in my body that like I can see them or whatever your concern is. Listen, I think all food is good food in moderation, but it. Going to a farmer's market, I think, at least in my experience, like I said, get more for less. It does seem that the the direct-to-consumer, eliminating that middleman. That distributor. Does seem to yield a uh, a more plentiful harvest for us. Plus, maybe they'll have like a dog with them that you'll get to pet. Mm -hmm. That's pretty exciting. That rarely happens at a supermarket. But a farmer's market, a farmer might have a dog with them. Very exciting. You should always ask to pet somebody's dog. Obviously. Obviously. But at the very least, you could look at the dog. Yes. It's exciting. Here are some other etiquettes that you should follow. Okay. You should come early. Uh, because you'll have the best variety to choose from. And it's probably going to be less crowded early in the morning um, because, you'll, you know, the early bird gets the worm. Sure, that's what they say, yeah. Read the signs uh, because, you know, you'll need a good kind of like lay of the land to find what you want quickly and easily. Um, and, you know... People who want to sell their wares want to sell them to you, and they have usually written the prices. You don't have to, like, ask over and over how much for these peaches. Um, Is haggling a thing? I mean, I wouldn't, it but— It depends on the community. Yeah. 
I would say that in the in the U.S., most markets are are usually uh, the price is what we say the price is, but maybe you'll meet some vendor who's willing to say, okay, well, it's the end of the day. I've got I've got a couple pounds of tomatoes left. How about you take them all off my hands for half price? Yeah, I think the closest I would come is like if they were like, um, like that's four fifty each, and I was like, well, can I have five for twenty? You sure. know, like a bulk discount mm-hmm. more than just like four fifty, huh? I'll give you two. I wouldn't do that because I don't like. Even the air of confrontation. <laughs> uh, you should bring your own bags. Um, some produce stalls will repurpose old, like grocery bags or whatever. But there, this is this ain't no like Kroger operation, right? Sure. So if you have to carry a lot of stuff, you should bring your own bags or totes or boxes or or whatever. Uh, mind the line, right? We always need to keep our place in the queue. And it's it's a lot better, more orderly if we, you know, take care of each other in the line instead of just like running up to the stall and, and willy nilly. Sure. Trying to trying to purchase. Um, here's one. When you're shopping, touch only your food. Right. It is tempting to touch all those beautiful, shiny apples. But. For sanitation's sake, don't touch any items, especially produce, that you don't intend on buying for yourself. I'm not saying that if you pick up an apple and it squishes in your hand, you still have to buy it. What I'm saying is don't touch every single one to find the ones you like. And only juggle what you buy. You know what I mean? Wait to juggle (laughs) until the purchase is complete. Uh, It is definitely not mannerly to complain about anything in anyone's booth, right? These vendors work hard and, you know, don't... Don't talk badly about anything that they have, especially if you come later in the day. If you were here earlier, you might have had a better selection. You might have had nicer things to choose from, but you can't complain at the very end of the day if the good stuff is all gone. And I joked about it earlier, but the appearance of produce does not indicate quality in any way, right? We, uh, especially here in America, have gotten used to like, only looking for the perfect banana, the perfect apple, right. the perfect lettuce, or whatever. And a lot of stuff gets wasted because it is seen as like looking weird or different. And like carrots are a good example of that, of like, oh, that's a weird carrot. Like that doesn't mean it, anything. All, chop it up small, right. it all tastes the same. <laughs> and so the idea of like going to a farmer's market and picking it up and being like, and this is the ugliest squash you've ever seen. Like, don't do that. That's rude. Right. So, you know, do your remember your common courtesy, courtesy, say please and thank you, excuse me, make room, offer a smile, that kind of stuff. And you might actually make friends with the farmers. That is not a bad thing. Yeah. They might be more uh, more inclined to hold things back for you. There you go. If they know they buy uh, this person, Travis comes and buys a beautiful giant cheese wheel every week. Oh, my God, I would. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I'm going to save this one for him. Yeah. Right? Um, and if you get to know people, you can. I, if I buy a beautiful cheese wheel every week, they should be concerned about my. <laughs> I didn't say how big it was. Even then, I mean, okay. But even then, I hope that they assume I have several people in my home. Maybe you okay. have a lot of fondue parties. Maybe. Or maybe I just don't <laughs> like going to the bathroom. But you could make you could make friends with benefits and you know Well not that. Not that kind. You know what not I mean. Not what she said. 
You know what she meant. You bring them a coffee. They give you the the choice of the best. I don't know. I said tomatoes earlier. Sure, that works. Things like that. Okay, I have an event I want to talk about. Okay. A special announcement. I've been working on this for a while. Uh, for the last year, I have been uh, putting together a weekend-long event. Um, it is an immersive RPG uh, gaming event called Adventure Quest. Uh, it's going to be May 24th through 26th of 2024, taking place at the Ravenwood Castle in Hocking Hills, Ohio. Uh, we're going to have some really fun uh, guests there joining us, including, but not limited to, uh, Christina Ariel, Ify Nawadaway, Sandeep Parikh, Paul Foxcroft, and more. Um, there's going to be, you know, like I said, gaming, uh, some like Q&As, uh, meet and greets, as well as lots of other events. You can find out all the information I think a LARP in the woods would be very appropriate. I'm sure a LARP in the woods is going to happen. You can find out all the information at theadventure.quest and check it out. There's limited spots. There's only 20 accommodation packages. Basically, you buy an accommodation package to uh, reserve one of the, like, cabins or rooms in the castle or cottages. And once you've, like, got that package, you will then... Uh, do the actual like room booking with the hotel. Find out all that information and more at theadventure.quest. I'm very excited about it. We also want to say thank you to our researcher, Alex, without whom we would not be able to do the show. want to say thank you to our editor, Rachel, without whom we could not do the show. And we want to say thank you to you for listening. I don't think we'd do the show without you, frankly, if we're being honest. We surely wouldn't. What else, Teresa? We always thank Brent, Brentoflas Black, for writing our theme music, which is available as a ringtone where those are found. Also, thank you to Bruja Betty Pinup Photography for the cover picture of our fan-run Facebook group, Schmanners Fanners. If you love to give and get excellent advice from other fans, go ahead and join that group today. Also, we are always taking your topic uh, suggestions, your idiom submissions, and you could just say hi to Alex. SchmannersCast at gmail.com. She reads every single one. And that's going to do it for us, so join us again next week. No RSVP required. You've been listening to Schmanners. Manners, Schmanners. Get it? Maximum Fun, a worker-owned network of artist-owned shows, supported directly by you.